warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hi, I'm Helen. I work in a small school in Buckinghamshire, currently with reception and year one children. Hi, I'm Rob. I also work in Buckinghamshire and I will be working with year four this year. And today we are exploring what science we can teach with this week's tale, a poem based on a story by a 10-year-old learner from a small school in Cambridgeshire, England. You can listen to the poem by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Huff McTuff. There you can stream a video of me telling the story for your children, get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the incredible Corky Paul, and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Helen and Rob here and Huff as well, I suppose. And also Barrett. we're looking at the science topics today. Who'd like to kick us off today? I'm more than happy to. Uh, I think that there are topics or areas that we could cover with this story. Um, the first one is linked to the third line of the poem. He ate bones for his teeth. Mm-hmm. Now, the teeth and the digestion is part of the science curriculum in key stage two so you could use that half a line and say okay we're going to look at different kinds of teeth what are they called what are they for how do they work where are they in your mouth do different animals have different kinds of teeth why do they have them and then look at how the whole digestive system works how the food gets from one end to the other what happens in between it would give it some context rather than it being an abstract idea of just oh yeah we eat and this happens you say, oh, okay, Huff McTuff crunched the bones. They're, they've gone down his esophagus. What happens once they're in his stomach? What's what's going on? <laughs> uh, the journey of a bone through a giant. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other idea I thought was linked a bit to the uh, maths idea that I came up with the other day, the floor plan. I thought there's going to be quite a few rooms in this castle. It's a big castle. It's the king's castle. And if it needed lighting how would we go about building the electrical circuit for that, assuming it's been written at the time that electricity has been discovered and harnessed? I really enjoy playing with crocodile clips and wires (laughs) and batteries. Uh, So this would be great. And you can look at how to build a simple circuit with just one element and a battery. And then what happens if you add in more elements to the bulbs stay the same? Uh, do they have the same brightness or they don't but why don't they and what happens how can you make sure that each room has got the same level of brightness how are you going to connect it all drawing circuit diagrams the symbols that go with the different elements that you need if you wanted to add a, a doorbell in how would you do that a motor for the drawbridge like an electric garage but an electric drawbridge <laughs> that would have really changed the course of the story wouldn't it <laughs> i suppose if you um wanted to keep it keep it real so to speak you know if we imagine that this is an historical castle you could say you know we've we've discovered huff's castle well barrett's castle and 
we are going to want to have some visitors around to see it. And in exactly the same way that um, places like Leeds Castle and Warwick Castle and well, lo- lots of other castles, not not just in the UK, but I'm sure around the world, have they, they come from this medieval time where they, they didn't have electricity, but they've had electricity installed in order to be able to have visitors go around and explore the histories. You could actually legitimately say, you yeah, know, we're, we're yeah. wanting to turn this into a tourist attraction you could or kevin mcleod you could be doing a, a grand design <laughs> of the castle how are you going to work out how to light the yeah how are you going to work out to light it for modern day uses another nice and, and local um, british reference there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure i'm sure there are other um uh, home redesign programs all over the world that's what i got i thought that would be enough to Sink your teeth into science. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> How about you then, Helen, if we go down to the four to seven age bracket? So for the science, in my age group, I'm going to look at gravity and friction because you've got the idea of these boulders rolling down a hill. How much fun you can have with boulders rolling down a hill. So I thought it'd be a really good opportunity. Uh, I'll start with, I'm going to separate the two a bit. So having a little look at gravity, by setting up some hills, some slopes using whatever whatever you can find. I like using like wooden planks. We've got quite a few of them around my outdoor area. So setting up some slopes effectively of different heights and then getting some balls, probably not boulders from a health and safety point of view, but um, <laughs> but just some, some balls of similar size and just get the children exploring, saying what happens when you roll it down this one? How about that one? Which one's going to hit the castle quicker? Which one's going to hit the castle harder? Um, and in the early years, it would be that be a discussion around what they're finding out, what the children are doing and what, what they see, what they notice. Can they change that by making the castle higher or lower? Mm-hmm. And then going into sort of key stage one, you could perhaps make it more of a science experiment. So if you've got this ball, what happens when you change the heights? How are we going to test this out? If we want the boulder to roll faster or slower, what do we need to do? So that's kind of one aspect of rolling a boulder down a hill. The other side I thought you could look at, similar but different, is the idea of friction. So instead of having different mm. heights of, of hill or mountain, as it is, you have different surfaces. So a rocky mountain, a grassy mountain. Um, but instead, yeah. you set that up using what I've done before. Again, it's just use wooden planks and then just cover them with carpet or stones, put stones in the way. Um, anything mm-hmm. you can find, really, that has a different surface. And again, get the children to play with it, get them to see what happens and why did that get stuck? Why Oh, that slid down really quickly. Why did that happen? So it's that mm. early introduction to the idea of friction. And once again, going into key stage one year, one year two, the children can actually carry out a more formal scientific experiment around and making, mm-hmm. making predictions around what will happen when they use the different surfaces and, and setting up the fair tests. You know, the, the boulder has to be the same size, the hill has to be the same angle. I like the idea of giving this a little bit of purpose by saying, you know, maybe you're trying to defend the castle to make sure the same sort of thing can't happen again. You filled up by this avalanche and okay, Huff comes along and tips all of the rocks out at the end. But to try and make sure that we don't get a castle overrun by boulders in the future, what can we do to improve our avalanche defences? That's a great idea. If you've got the task of changing the mountain, if you've got to put something on the mountain, what are you going to put on the mountain? Yeah. Because you can't get rid of the mountain, but you could change the surface of it. I think that's a really great idea. Exactly, yeah. And and even just, if you look in most castles, I'm pretty sure they didn't carpet the entirety of the hall. I suppose because in those days it would have been very expensive to do that. And also it would have made it 
trickier to have all of those lush ballroom dances that they used to have. (laughs) But maybe if you were worried about avalanches, you would take greater care, at least on the placement of your carpets and the, the thickness of your carpet. An idea for a science experiment I had, which I'd like to just run by you, is the idea of things getting knotted by themselves, because you've got some really long hair here, and I think we've all had that experience, haven't we, where we've got some some laces, for example, or we've got some cables around our desk, and they always get (laughs) knotted, and it makes no sense to me, because, you know, you you don't put them into the drawer knotted, so how do they come out knotted? But I wonder whether there could be some sort of experiment to show the likelihood of this happening. I think that'd be really interesting. I think if you've got some different lengths of different sorts of rope and string and some really smooth and some really rough and just yeah, just see what they do to themselves. <laughs> yeah. And see how easily it would have been for Huff to end up the way he was. Yes. Could it also be quite a good fine motor skill challenge for younger children to unknot their their hair. Solve the problem. <laughs> Yes, here's the knotted hair. What can you do? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that would be very effective and purposeful. I really don't know how things get knotted so easily. It it literally just makes no sense. Particularly when you put them away. Like I've had times when I've put things away very carefully because I don't Mm -hmm. want them knotted and they still get knotted. Yeah, I know. There there are little elves that that just pop up, go into your jaws and tie everything together. (laughs) Just for fun. Just to make fun. Folks like Huff go. <laughs> There's a, a goddess in the in the disc world in the Terry Pratchett books called Anoya. Uh-huh. She is the goddess of kitchen drawers. You know, you open your kitchen drawers, <laughs> always a spatula. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so similar idea, similar problem. That's all we have time for this week, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, please let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. We'll be back next week so Huff and the Princess can help us teach geography, history, technology, art, computing and physical education. But right now it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! Cheerio. And we we hope hope to hear hear your your story story soon. soon!